0: Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. Getting ready to go to school in our house was always busy because my father was a teacher. In fact, at this point, he would have been teaching at my school. So I would have been driving in with him. My brother was in high school getting ready for school. And that morning, my mother, who was a substitute teacher had also been called in. Now, she was, as I said, a substitute most of the time while I was growing up, but she only taught about one, maybe two days a month. It was very, very minimal. And so I can only imagine, as I look back now, now that I have kids and understand busy mornings, how stressful a morning it must have been for my mom to have gotten a call you know, half an hour before that now she has to get ready and go in and teach 30 13-year-olds for the day, because she would have taught in the junior high. And then on top of that, we always went home for lunch. We live near the school, so now she's got to pack us all lunches, which we didn't have to do before. So there's lots of stuff going on. And as she walks by my bedroom, still wearing her robe, guys, you're not going to like me after this story of your parents. She says, um, Leanne, are you ready yet? And I say, no, are you? <laughs> guys, it went great. <laughs> it did not go over well. Um, People who know my parents are laughing deeply. Uh, My father also got involved. And all I'll say is I learned that day, again, don't talk back to your parents. (laughs) You know when you tell stories and you're like, my son is old enough to be in church now. And you're just kidding. He never does that, ever. (laughs) And so when we see the title of this sermon series, Jesus talks back. Some of us might go, some of us might go, ugh. That feels a little bit strange. We might kind of bulk at that because maybe we're used to that idea, right, that talking back is this bad thing. We might picture snarky kids, right, being inappropriate. But that's not what I mean by this title of Jesus Talks Back, which we're going to explore as a theme for the next few months. What I mean is something that Jesus actually did quite often that I think was an important thing. When Jesus was teaching when he was healing, when he was doing his ministry, when he was helping others, he would often be challenged. In particular, the religious leaders of the time didn't always like what he had to say. And so often they would challenge him. They would say, but what about this? But what about that? Or he might see something and would require something to be said. And we often uh, talk about Jesus. Some of us may even picture him as sort of, you know, being docile. Uh, We talk about him as a person of peace and a gentle spirit. But listen, Jesus often talked back. And what I mean by that is that when he was challenged, when people would push him, when he would see injustice, things that didn't speak to what was true of God, he would respond. So talk back might be like to push back to speak truth, to speak challenge into our lives. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at examples and times that Jesus did this, just this, and I think they're going to speak a lot to the Jesus that we follow and the things he was passionate about and the things that he didn't like at all. And today, uh, the story we're going to talk about when Jesus talks back may seem like a little bit of a strange place to start uh, because he's actually answering a question So it might seem like a weird thing to say he talks back, but I think it fits in the category. And Laura just read the story for us. Let me just remind you of it. It's found in the book of Matthew. The Bible is a book of many smaller books. And this particular book of Matthew was written down by one of Jesus' followers named Matthew and tells all about Jesus' life. This is the story he tells in the chapter. It's broken up by chapters 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, now that's referring to Jesus, he sent his his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? That's a really interesting question. Some of us might not know who we mean by John here. Some of you may know it well. And this is referring to an important person in the Bible and in the story of Jesus named John the Baptist. Now, we actually uh, talk about John the Baptist sometimes in the season just before this one in Christmas, because just like Jesus' birth, John the Baptist's birth was also foretold by an angel. An angel, we read in another book called Luke, came to a man named Zechariah and told him that his wife was going to have a baby. It was a big deal because his wife Elizabeth was very old and they thought she was barren for years. And and the angel said, this baby is going to grow up to be a prophet. This is the Coles Notes version. And is going to lead people to the Messiah. Is going to point the way to the Messiah. The Messiah was the one that the people of God had been waiting for. They had been waiting. Messiah means like deliver. And they were in a situation where they were longing for this person that God had promised to come and save them. And so John, had it was foretold about him that he would help point this person out. We read that he did indeed grow up to be a prophet, much like the prophets they would say of the days of old. So in the Bible, we read that many hundreds of years before this, there were many prophets. And uh, actually, there are a number of books in the Bible named after these prophets. And what these prophets would do is they would come at different times in the history of God's people to different places, and they would speak out. These prophets were people that would go to the kings, to the queens, to the leaders, and they would really be this sort of outsider voice, usually very controversial, usually very, as I said, on the outside, radical, really pushing back. John was no exception. He comes much like these prophets of old. It says he lives in the wilderness, he eats locusts and honey, uh, he wears fur, and he baptizes people. He's known as John the Baptist. And he tells them, prepare the way, because the Lord is coming. And people would come and he'd say, get baptized so that you're ready for when he comes. And then we read in Matthew chapter 3, so sometime before this, what happens one day. When it says, then Jesus, actually, well, I want to read a bit before this. He says in chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He's talking about Jesus. Now, he doesn't know exactly, we don't know if he knows exactly who yet, but we see that he recognizes Jesus in just the next section. When it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That's Jesus. So the one that John is saying, He's coming, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming. He sees Jesus and he's like, There he is. That's him. So we might wonder what's now happened by the time we get to chapter 11 when he asks this question Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? I mean, he was the one that earlier had said, there he is. I recognize him. That's the one God's told you to wait for. And we might wonder what's happening here. And actually, something difficult's happening. John is in prison. And we know uh, more also from the Bible and from history what had happened here. There was a ruler named Herod Antipas. Now, this is not the same Herod that was king when Jesus was baby. Just to make it more confusing. Different Herod, different leader. But this Herod is uh, known for having gone to Rome sometime before this, famously seduced his brother's wife, brought this wife back with him, left his old wife and married his brother's wife. We read that John, remember he was like these Old Testament prophets, spoke out against this because they wanted kings who honored God's ways. He says, this is wrong. And so having the power that he had, the king throws John in prison, and John is imprisoned in a fortress in Macarius east of the Dead Sea. Some scholars think he'd been there up for a year by the time this happens. And it would seem that while John's been in prison for a year, Jesus, who by the way was also John's cousin, hadn't done anything about it. We don't have any record that Jesus had spoken out against Herod or tried to defend John or backed John up in what he said. I think that uh, John may have been feeling a little like some of us may have felt in scenarios like this. Have you ever had this happen? Picture that at work one day, you're doing a group project, and there's one person who's just not carrying their weight, right? And while they're away one day, all of you decide to bring it up. You're like, we've got to, let's say his name is Bob. We've got to tell Bob that he needs to step up. Yeah, yeah, we're all going to tell Bob he needs to step up. You're right. Let's all tell Bob he needs to step up. So when Bob shows up, you go first. You say, Bob, you know, we've been talking about it. And we really feel like you need to pull your weight. And then uh, Bob is shocked and stunned. And he says, do the rest of you feel this way? And they all go, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. You ever been there? That ever happened to you? You feel hung out to dry. I think John felt hung out to dry. He had spoken up against Herod thinking, you know, everyone else is going to join this. Jesus for sure is the Messiah is going to speak out against this. And nothing had happened. And I think he was wondering when Jesus was going to do something about it. And I believe he is truly disappointed with Jesus in this moment and confused. He had expected Jesus to be a certain way, to do certain things, and he just hadn't. He had expected this Messiah. Remember, this is a word for deliverer. And this was a deliverer he was expecting that would set them free from these kind of things. And Jesus wasn't doing the things likely that John had expected this should include. And so he actually sends messengers. When he says his disciples, he means John's disciples, John's followers. So he sends some of his followers. He says, can you go say to Jesus, basically, did I get this wrong? Like, did I blow it back there? He says, are you the Messiah at all? Now, this is a feeling I believe every one of us can understand in some way or another whether or not you've been in church your whole life or this is the first time you've ever darkened the doors, we may come to God, to Christ, with absolute conviction of the way Jesus is going to work in our lives. Some of us here, when we found God, said this is the best thing that's ever happened, and we believed. We believed we would be healed of our depression, we would never battle that again. We believe things would improve for our lives, that now our families would be reconciled, that we' reconciled, that we would always feel this high, that it would feel so good to follow Jesus. But then there can be times of disappointment when it doesn't look that way. There can be times when it really feels like January after December. I think you know what I mean. After Christmas, the early days of a long January, that joy of Christmas when things were so delightful and happy and there was so much happening and there was lights everywhere, it can feel pretty far away on a dreary January day. And in a similar way, after a long season of hurting in our own lives, when things don't get better, when things didn't heal, when life has not gone well, we can also say, So where's the Messiah? Did I get this wrong? Where's the Jesus I expected? Jesus, are you actually the one that I should have relied on? Or should I go somewhere else? Maybe something different would have been better. You'll all have your own stories. But one that I remember in particular is a friend of mine. And uh, I'll say her name was Kate. And Kate came to Christ as... An adult, she had married a man who was a very devout Christian, and, and she was interested in it. She was, she was excited for this new faith. And shortly after becoming a believer, one of their family members at a young age was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. And Kate decided, and she declared to her family, I am going to pray that Jesus heals Kate. She's like, I don't know if I believe any of this. This is a risk, but I'm taking a risk. And Kate died. And she asked herself, maybe everything I put my faith in was wrong. I heard that story a lot from and through her. And the reality is, Kate wasn't the first person and is not the last person who's going to feel that way. Here is this story written down almost 2,000 years ago of a man saying the exact same thing. Jesus, were you the one we actually thought you were? Because I'm sitting here in prison, and i got to be honest, I'm not feeling so sure about it. Now, I think, I think I should say here that there are some scholars who argue, no, John wasn't doubting here. He was asking this so that his disciples would go and ask Jesus and his disciples would get to hear what Jesus had to say. Well, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that John had been in prison for a year Wondering why Jesus hadn't been the type of Messiah he thought he would be, and he felt let down, so much so that he wondered if he was even the one that would save God's people at all. And I've got to tell you, this story actually really encourages me when I read this. I know it can sound like a little bit of a downer, but can we all just take a moment to pause here and realize that John the Baptist had a moment when he doubted? John the Baptist. And may, and you may not know this, especially if you're new to faith, but the greatest Christians you know, every one of them will have a story of a time they were ready to throw in the towel in their faith, that they felt discouraged or let down. Even the people who have the greatest highs of seeing God at work can later say, I don't see it. John baptized Jesus. Did you hear when a dove came in the sky and God spoke and said, this is my son? And a year later, he's saying, I don't know, maybe he wasn't really it. It's interesting, right? It's interesting to me because sometimes I think, you know what, God? If you just spoke from the heavens or like you sent me an angel or you did something really miraculous, like you parted a sea, very cool, then I would never doubt again. And the Bible shows over and over that that's not the case. That even people who see incredible things wonder and are frightened That it's the case that a year sitting in a prison cell can make those things feel like a long time ago. Just like months sitting in a hospital room, or days sitting home alone, or weeks or even years of trying to mend a broken marriage or a hurting relationship, and you say, I don't know if I got that right. Just like John the Baptist, we too have had and will have seasons of saying, Jesus, are you the one, or did we get this wrong? But here's the good news. Jesus talked back. He talks back to John's message, and this is what he says. So the messengers come. We don't know how long. I mean, it had to be a distance in between, right? He he gets visitors. He goes, go ask Jesus this. They find him. And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, Jesus is referring back here to some things that are pretty incredible. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached. And he's talking about things he has done. Now, we've skipped a bit since Christmas. And a whole lot of this stuff has happened in between now and then. Jesus grows up, and he begins to go out, heal, teach, show who he was. And so, for example, in Matthew four twenty four, it says, News about Jesus spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics, and he healed them. Because the lame walked. In Matthew 8, 1 to 3, it says, A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Because those who have leprosy are cured. And in Matthew 8, 5 to 13, we read that he heals the son of a centurion who is a Roman a, a leader in the army. In 14 to 17, he heals one of his disciples named Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says they keep bringing sick people to him, and he heals them. And then in Matthew 8:34, he heals two demon-possessed men. In 9, 1 to 8, he heals a man who's paralyzed. And in Matthew 9, just to really get impressive, he raises a dead girl back to life because the dead are raised. In Matthew 9, 27, it reads, he heals a blind man, and then he heals a man who it says was born not being able to speak. And when the people come and say, John asked us to ask you, John asked us to ask, are you the one to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus' answer is all these things. He says, tell him this stuff. But we might still ask why. Why would this matter to John, sitting in prison, what Jesus had done for these people if he was still riding in jail, asking, is it you or someone else? Jesus is saying here more than just a list of healings to impress John. Um, he is making a claim. He is showing how he fulfills all the prophe- a number of prophecies about who the Messiah would be. He's saying, I fulfill them. I'm the Messiah. In those Old Testament, that part of the Bible that comes long before Jesus came, when those prophets came, and we have those words written down, they made predictions. They said, this is what God says about who the Messiah would be. And these are some of them. In Isaiah 61.1, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And Jesus said, good news is preached to the poor. In Isaiah 35, 5 to 6, it says, this is a prophecy, then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the death unstopped, then will the lame leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shout for joy. And Jesus says, tell John that the lame walk and the blind see. And in Isaiah 26, 19, but your dead will live, their bodies will rise. And Jesus says, tell John, the dead are raised to life. Jesus isn't just saying, John, look at these super cool things I did. He's saying, I am the one that was promised. Just like if you were here at Christmas, and I talked about how Matthew would quote these passages and say, look how Jesus fulfills them. Here, Jesus does it about himself. Here, Jesus says, look, I fulfill these promises. What he's saying is, I am the Messiah, I am the one that was promised, I am what you thought I was. It's true that Jesus in many ways was different than the Messiah John thought he would be as he was waiting perhaps for a revelation, a revolution, an overthrowing of kings like Herod, but Jesus is making it clear, I am the one you are all waiting for. And I think this says a few things. First, it reminds me, and perhaps you, of the type of Messiah Jesus was, what it meant, I should say, that Jesus was the Messiah, a Messiah who cares about suffering, that when he says, let me show you what it means that a Messiah, he talks not about proving how right he was, but showing God's love to the most broken. He says, you know how the Messiah is here? The most broken and the most suffering are healed, and their suffering ends. That's what my kingdom looks like. The ushering in of this new era and this new covenant where there will no longer be any more of those like Old Testament prophets, John's the last one, comes because of how the poor and the vulnerable are loved. That's how you recognize the kingdom. Secondly, Jesus doesn't condemn John. And I love this. If you read the rest of the section and you go from like 7 to 18, he goes on to say about John, What did you see in the desert? I tell you, what did you go out to see? A prophet? I tell you, more than a prophet. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. right, so he doesn't go, well, that is a shame that John had that moment of doubt. He looks at them and he says, there is no greater follower of me than that man. This man who just said, are you sure you're really it? Because I'm really struggling right now. And I think the next thing that it reminds me is that It gives us a gift of what we can do in our doubts. And if you took the sermon handout on your way in, some of these things are listed there. So first, it shows us what kind of Messiah, this Messiah that cared about suffering. And it shows us that Jesus doesn't condemn those who doubt. And I think it gives us a gift of what we can do when we doubt and feel disappointed. And what we can do is just like Jesus has said here, look at what Jesus has done. Jesus says, John, I know you're in prison, but look here. Look, look, look. Look at this man who couldn't see and now can see. Look at this person who couldn't walk and now can walk. Look, look. See what has happened. And I believe it's very normal when we are following God or when we're seeking God to feel let down because God might work in a way we didn't expect. And because like John, we don't see the end of the story yet. Sometimes we're going to want God to work in dramatic ways. Why wouldn't we? And the little things around us may not be as easy to notice or feel like they quite measure up. And to be honest, sometimes right now, like the world seems like a bit of a dumpster fire to a lot of us, right? Like it feels like a bit of a disaster. And I see things and I worry about them and I think, oh my goodness, I can't believe that terrible thing happened. And now there's something else. And now there's more conflict, more tension. The news is exhausting. But we can look around. And we can see, see what Jesus is doing all around us. We can see what it was like when we opened our door and there was someone standing with a Christmas hamper because we had not been forgotten. And we can see what happens when we had people stand up here like Jessie who got up here when she was uh, baptized a few weeks ago and said, you know, I came as a teenager to this church when it was at another building. And many years later, my grandparents came here and then I came to Alpha and now I'm following Jesus because Jesus is working if we look. One of the things I get so discouraged about is how the world seems to so often talk about how to treat people who are different than us, especially sometimes how people talk about immigrants and immigration, especially even among Christians. And then maybe you heard this story, just for Christmas I read this article, when you look you see it, that there is a church in the Netherlands, Netherlands. and the backstory story is that there is a family um, that had had to flee Armenia nine years ago. They came to the Netherlands, and they were offered asylum by a judge, but the government overturned the asylum. When the government overturned the asylum, they were desperate. They had received death threats, and so they wrote local churches to ask if they could stay in them because in this country, churches are places of asylum, and there is an obscure rule in their law that says that law enforcement cannot enter a church and make arrest during a church service, so this is my favorite. For the last 90 days, this church has held church nonstop for 24 hours a day. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Pastors from all around the country take turns so that the church service never stops so this family won't be sent back to their deaths. Look around. Look around. That is the work of God. Look around and remember John, Jesus says, remember what the scriptures said about who I was. Remember. Remember that, and remember that's the promise you're seeing fulfilled in me. And you can remember, too. Remember what God has done in the past, even if it seems long ago. Remember what God promised in God's word, and that God who fulfilled all the promises in Jesus will fulfill all the promises still to come. Look around and remember. Now, some of you may wonder what happened to John. He sent this question. You might say, did he feel better? Did he get out of prison? Um, We do know what happened to John. Sadly, he died in prison in a rather unjust way. We read in the Bible that sometime later, uh, his stepdaughter, the daughter of this woman that he married, I guess his niece, his niece, daughter, she was his uncle, dad, whatever you want to call it, all very complicated um, for him and she was very pleased, him and his friends, and he says, what do you want? I'll give you anything. And his mother says, ask for John the Baptist's head on a plate. And so she does. And that's how John is killed. Pretty, pretty terrible end, right? You're just beheaded at the whim of some woman you ticked off? No justice. The woman who was like, you say you don't like my relationship? I'm going to chop your head off. Must have been frustrating. To uh, many to see that were John's followers. When Jesus died, Herod would still be in charge. He was actually part of the trial. John would never see Jesus' death, never see Jesus' resurrection, not see the end of the story in his lifetime. Herod never repented, We have no evidence of that. What we know is that later he was accused of conspiracy, and again, things at the time were very much like this. He was sent to exile. His new wife went with him, and he died at some time. We don't know. But there was never any record that he was held to account for what he did for John. But at some point, Matthew, one of Jesus' followers, wrote down this story. The story of a man who had heard the very voice of God and still in a dark cell prison cell asked, Jesus, are you the one? Are you sure? But more importantly, the one to whom Jesus said, I still am. Look around. Remember, don't forget. And if you're in a dark place today, look around. Remember, don't forget. Jesus says to you, too, I am still the one. Let me pray for us. God, when we are honest with you, we are sometimes uncertain and scared, and the dark places make us wonder where you are and what it looks like. Thank you that we can tell you that. And God, I pray for any of us in dark places right now that do feel all those questions Jesus, did we get it right? Should we look somewhere else? God, help us to look around and remember. Remember your words. See what I have done. See what I can do. And give us that hope to trust that you are still the Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen.